Welcome back to Focus on the Light, a weekly Come Follow Me podcast. I apologize briefly for missing the episode last week and for this episode being delayed later on into the week. Not to bore you with the details of my life, but I I recently quit my job. Kind of unplanned. It wasn't something that I was planning on doing, but trying to follow the guidance of the Lord for my life, trying to seek out His will, uh, also kind of just following the yearnings of my heart. And it's it's been a leap of faith in so many ways, as people say. And there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, kind of like limbo that I'm floating around as I'm trying to wait for things to come to pass. And uh, so, yeah, you think that by not having a job and having more time, it'd be easier to get these things done. But I found that that has been difficult. Uh, either way, I'm really excited to be talking about this. I was sad that I missed last week because it was a wonderful, wonderful section of scripture. To briefly talk about last week, which was on Genesis 18 through 23, a lot of it being the story um, of Abraham and Sarah giving birth to Isaac and then being asked to sacrifice Isaac. Just the one thing that I'll point out about that briefly is in the story of Isaac, we talk so much about the faith of Abraham. Abraham had to be willing to sacrifice his son. And I find it really interesting, especially now knowing the history of what Abraham went through before with his wicked father trying to do the same to him and almost a reliving of those events, but his faith but his faith to listen to the Lord anyway. But then also the faith of Isaac, Isaac willingly submitting to that. Isaac was probably in his 30s, and we know that Abraham was over the age of 100. Isaac could have easily overpowered Abraham and not gotten onto this altar, not carried the firewood. There's a lot of faith of Isaac to be willing to obey the counsel of his father and his father being the prophet. So that's all I'll mention about that. Let's talk this week about Genesis chapter 24 through 27 as the story of Abraham and Isaac continue and on to Jacob. So the chapter starts, these chapter starts with Abraham seeking out a wife for his son uh, Isaac to marry. Uh, Genesis chapter 24. He counsels his son not to marry a Canaanite. Um, now it's interesting to point out that the the Canaanites, there's a lot about marriage and and marrying a Canaanite or a Hittite or those types of things. And most of it was just because of the necessity to keep the covenant. There's a lot of different people on the earth at the time, and not a lot of them were covenant believers and covenant keepers of God. Like the Hittites, for example, that we'll talk about later, they worshiped idols. And so it's not that there was any prejudice against these people. More than anything, Abraham was counseling his son Isaac to marry within the covenant for the purpose of being able to keep the covenant that he had received to keep the Abrahamic covenant. So he, he sends a servant out to go and seek someone, and the servant obeys and goes out into the city to find someone, and in doing so, he finds Rebecca. Now, in the story of finding Rebecca, there's a few things that I thought were really, really amazing. The first that I'll talk about that comes up frequently throughout the chapter is the prayerfulness of these people, the prayerfulness of Abraham in sending his servant, the prayerfulness of the servant fulfilling that, the prayerfulness of Rebecca and her family, later the prayerfulness of Rebecca as Jacob and Esau's mother. These people were very, very persistent in their asking of the Lord. When they had a responsibility, when they had a covenant to keep, they pleaded with the Lord to bless them. 
So Isaac and Rebekah marry, and then we see Abraham bestowing this covenant upon him. Uh, but before that, it's something that I just loved, uh, Genesis 24, 67, when talking about the marriage between Isaac and Rebekah, the last part of it says in their marriage that he loved her and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And I just find that, I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I think it's a little romantic to describe that the marriage to his lovely wife, that whom he loved very much, was the comfort he needed for because of the loss of his mother. I just, a romantic description of their marriage. But anyway, in their marriage, Abraham continues this covenant, uh, this birthright onto Isaac. This is one of those first instances in the section of chapter we're going to see with birthright and the importance of it. Um, Genesis 25, verse 5, And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac, but unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son, while he yet lived eastward unto the east of country. It's n- again, it's not necessarily that Abraham was a favorite. It's that his responsibility was the birthright. His blessing was a birthright. So to briefly explain what the birthright is, I love the way that the Bible dictionary puts this. It says, under the patriarchal order, the right or inheritance of the firstborn is known as the birthright. This generally included a land inheritance as well as the authority to preside. The firstborn of flocks and of human families was considered as belonging to the Lord and was expected to be dedicated to him. This dedication could be either literal or by the payment of redemption money. And then, jumping down a little bit, it says, Lineage alone does not guarantee the blessings or spiritual power or the office, but the opportunities are offered to the firstborn of the selected lineage. There are several instances in the scriptures of the one who was a firstborn losing his birthright because of unrighteousness and his office being given to another, such in the case with Esau, and then later with Reuben. But so what happens here, what, what the birthright is, before we get into that, the birthright was a responsibility and a blessing to this firstborn, particularly that they were given unto the Lord. So there was a sense of righteousness that was needed in addition to your lineage. But as receiving that, you would receive land, cattle, property, uh, a lot of authority. And in addition to receiving those things, it would, would really be nice. It came with a heavy responsibility yeah, as part of that birthright that larger amount of land and wealth that you were given was for the purpose of keeping care of the estate. So Abraham, with all his concubines and wives and his many children, Isaac being the receiver of the birthright, is not only just receiving a lot of things for himself, but for the purpose of taking care of others, this estate of Abraham. So while it is a blessing, it's also a heavy responsibility on these people. So in this case of Abraham, as this Abrahamic covenant was made to him, This birthright isn't just a passing of property. It's also a passing of a covenant and the Abrahamic covenant continuing with Isaac. And we see that described in the first part of Genesis chapter 26. Simply, Isaac receives this birthright. He receives a blessing. He receives a covenant. Rebekah becomes pregnant with twins and it describes them as quarreling in the womb. Uh, And then upon doing that, like I talked about, she goes and inquires of the Lord. I think it's amazing in this story, uh, Genesis 25, uh, verse 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The, again, the power of prayer. I'm thinking of last week that I missed a phrase that I love, is anything too hard for the Lord. And as she has children, she becomes pregnant with twins and says the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went and inquired of the Lord, right? So these, these physical experiences she was having in birth, she went and inquired of the Lord. And I've never been pregnant. I'm never going to be pregnant. But I think that in the, 
the matter of physical things, there's not a lot of the times that I go inquire of the Lord. I think that when I'm feeling physically unwell, uh, you know, physical ailments that I'm currently dealing with and have dealt with for years, I don't go inquire of the Lord. I just go plead for healing. Um, and while that is still a great thing to do and something to do in faith, I, I like the attitude of inquiring of the Lord. And in doing so, she receives a powerful revelation that the younger of the two will be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger, which we'll see fulfilled later. So then she gives birth to Esau, the oldest, and then Jacob, as the story continues. Now, we see this uh, uh, fulfillment of that revelation that Rebecca sees quickly fulfilled in the end part of Genesis 25, when Esau uh, comes to Jacob. So Esau was a hunter, and he was a very, very good hunter. Jacob was more simple. He's described as someone uh, who lived in tents, I think it describes it as. Yeah, Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents, but the footnotes reveal that that was a more simple man, uh, a man of the Lord. And so there's this one point where Esau is out hunting, but then Jacob is, is preparing this pottage. And Esau returns from the field and was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And I think that there's a lot that's not kept in this record, as we know, but I think it's bold of Jacob to ask for that birthright. But when we kind of see the reason why, behold, I am at the, Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. There's a lot with this birthright that we'll get into later in the relationship between Esau and Jacob. But one thing that the Bible dictionary revealed is that it wasn't just lineage. Through the act of lineage, the birthright would be Esau's, but there's a need for righteousness. Clearly, Esau's respect for the birthright was very little. And when you think about the responsibility that this particular birthright comes with, the Abrahamic covenant, the very, very important covenant that through all the nations of the earth will be blessed, I think that this is one particular birthright that the Lord was watching over. And in doing so, Esau chose pottage over the blessings and covenants of God. And I loved the way that Come Follow Me put this in the manual. I can choose between immediate gratification and things of greater value. Is there a pottage that is distracting you from blessings that are of most value to you? I think it was Elder Scott who said, don't give up what you want most in life for what you think you want now. I think that's something that I have definitely been dealing with. and. A large portion of that is just distractions in the world are present and those distractions take up time. And sometimes we think that that's what we want, but not what we want most. And I'm I'm grateful for the scriptures to remind me of the need to focus on not just the pottage, but the covenant available. Now to continue on, we see at the first part of Genesis 26, this is where Isaac receives the covenant. The covenant is renewed with him in verse 3. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all thy, these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham thy father. All right, so he receives the same promise of, of, of physical land and also a great seed. And then we see something interesting happening, similar to what happened with Abraham and Sarah when he went to Egypt. He had to say that Sarah was his sister because he's worried if he said she was his wife that they would kill him so that she, they could take her. Similar thing happens here with Isaac. I don't think it's Egypt that they go to. I don't think it says. Um, oh, Gerar um, is the place of it. 
I don't know where that is, but either way, similar thing. He told the people that his wife was his sister, that Rebecca was his sister. And the king sees them. The king of the Philistine looked out his window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebecca, his wife. I think they were kissing. I think that's what that means. And so he calls Isaac unto him and says, Surely she is thy wife, and how sayest thou she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. And the uh, Abimelech, Abimelech, I don't know, the king, What is it thou hast done unto us? One of thy people might lie have lain with thy wife, and thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. And then, after that, this king sends a charge among the people that none of them should touch Isaac or his wife, Rebekah, or they'll be put to death. Then verse 12, Then Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Both times in the instance of Abraham and now Isaac, one of the ways they received great property, great uh, wealth, be that in land and in cattle and other things, was going into a city and saying that their wife was their sister and then the king finding out and then giving them land anyway. I don't really understand how that works, but I think it's really interesting Then this amazing promise, this covenant to Abraham and then to Isaac, similar promise to us. Do we try and force the fulfillment of that promise in a specific way? I think I do that a lot of ways. There's blessings to not be too personal that I'm seeking in my patriarchal blessing. And I think that the way I'm expecting those blessings to be fulfilled is not the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord can be whatever it is. The Lord will bless us as the scriptures describe here for Isaac. We don't have to force them to happen a specific way. For all we know, I might go into a city and have to say my wife is my sister and that would end up in my blessing. Who, who knows? I just love that the Lord does fulfill his promises, but not in the way we expect. Then as the chapters continue in Genesis 26, we get this part of the, the story of wells being dug and then blocked up by the Philistines and then dug and those types of things. And I was like, okay, whatever, <laughs> moving on. But then I loved what Kampal Me said in the manual. It says, you may notice that wells and springs and other water sources play important roles in many Old Testament stories. This isn't surprising because most of these stories happen in very dry places. As you read Genesis 26 about Isaac's wells, Ponder what may, water may symbolize in the scriptures. What insights do you find about spiritual wells of living water? How are you digging spiritual wells in your life? How is the Savior like living water to you? Note that the Philistines had stopped the wells. Is there anything in your life that is stopping your wells of living water? And then just to add my own insights to that, these wells had to be dug. They weren't just there. They took effort. Uh, they had to find the right place to dig them, and then they had to physically dig them. And after a lot of digging, I, I don't know how accurate this account is, but the servants only come back and describe one well having water, right? And it's a moment of rejoicing. And I think that that's something that is a great example to me, that the need of searching for this living water, and when finding it, it is a moment of rejoicing. And then we continue into Genesis 27, which is the story of Esau and Jacob and the birthright being passed to Jacob instead of Esau. So Isaac was very old. He became blind. And he said unto Esau that he was going to give him the birthright. So although he had sold his birthright to, to Jacob for some pottage, Isaac still had the ability to bless him and give the birthright to him. So seeing what was going to happen, how he was told to go out and prepare meat, Rebekah, the mother of both Esau and Jacob, 
had a plan to give Jacob the blessing, to give Jacob the birthright. And so Esau was a very hairy individual and Jacob was not. So he had to wear hair and raiment to smell and feel like his brother to a blind man who's clearly relying on his other senses. So he goes in and pretends to be Esau, and because of that, is able to receive the covenant. Esau comes back, does not get the covenant, and is upset. And it can be a confusing story because we hear these covenant people described. The Lord himself says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You think that in those people so frequently described, there wouldn't be a story of deception. Now, one, we don't know the entire story. There's a lot that's lost in translation in the Bible uh, and just in the years of the account being rewritten and and those things. But more important, we can see that the will of the Lord is, is, is accomplished. And President Nelson pointed this out in a great talk. In verse 33, And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who, where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me, and I have eaten of all before thou camest, and have blessed him? Yea, and he shall be blessed. Isaac could have taken away the blessing and actually could have cursed Jacob for his actions but recognize that the will of the Lord had been accomplished in saying that he shall be blessed. Now, that doesn't mean that Esau was not able to have any more blessings. He still does receive something, but nowhere near as great as what Jacob receives. Now, in addition to that, Jacob also receives a responsibility. And I think that that's the biggest thing is that Esau was very relaxed in his responsibility as the birthright holder, as a potential birthright son. Before any of this happens, we see that Esau did not marry within the covenant. In Genesis 26, 34, and Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Berir, the Hittite, Hittite, and Bashemeth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. So one, he married two people. Two, he married Hittites who were idol worshipers, nowhere near close to covenant keepers. So even before he lost the actual blessing of the birthright, he clearly wasn't careful in his responsibility of it. Again, distracted by momentary pleasures. But in all the, this birthright, so to speak, continuing to us through the blessings of Israel, Jacob, who becomes Israel, we need to know that the will of the Lord has been fulfilled and it is not a mistake for us to receive these blessings. There's a lot that happens with Jacob later. He has to go flee to a city because Esau is willing to kill him over the birthright. Clearly not a covenant keeper who was going to handle this responsibility appropriately. Either way, I'm grateful for prayerful people, be that the servant who went and found Rebecca for Isaac to marry, or Rebecca in inquiring upon the children within her womb and what would happen with them and the fulfillment of the promise that was given to her. Of course, the prayerfulness of Isaac and Abraham and the covenant that they received. I'm grateful for the example of the scriptures to remind me to focus on what matters, to dig wells of living water, and to be more prayerful. Again, I apologize that last week was missed and that this episode is a lot shorter. Again, life is a little bit crazy, so prayers would be appreciated that I can find the way through this fog that is the leap of faith. There's a lot that is just waiting to happen and a lot that can't happen until those other things happen, which provides a lot of uncertainty. So I'm trying to keep the faith. Um, Thanks. So thanks for your patience. I'll try to have next, uh, not try, I will have next episode uh, out on time. So anyway, thank you again for listening to Focus on the Light, and I will talk to you next week.